Welcome back to the Thermodyne Podcast. We've got a special episode for you guys today. We're interviewing our very own Sloan Osborne. He's the head of product development at Umzu and is a former registered dietitian. So in this episode, we dive into everything supplements, ins and outs of formulating supplements, what to look for and what to avoid, as well as general health and wellness advice from an RD registered dietitian, Sloan. So let's dive in. Welcome back to the Thermo Diet Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Miller, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Tyler Woodward. Hey, Jaden. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. We also have a very special guest on today, Mr. Sloan Osborne. He is the um, product... Head of product development yeah, at Umza. product development. Um, so we're super excited to pick his brain today. How are you doing today, Sloan? Really good, sir. It's Monday, so you know I'm loving it. Living a good, living a good day. Living the dream. So Sloan, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to work at Umzu and in the supplement industry in general? I know you were in nutrition before, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it depends on how far you want to go back. But yeah, when initially, when I first went to school, I was looking into um, zoology because I hate money. So, But then I uh, switched over to dietetics. Um, still hate money a little bit, but then uh, a little bit better. Kind of initially was going into that as an undergrad, and then the way it works to be a registered dietitian, is, which is what I am, um, you kind of got to go do 1,200 supervised hours, um, and then kind of like take a bar exam, basically make you a registered dietitian. So I figured while I did that, I should um, not pigeonhole myself, uh, and I got an MBA at the same time, just in case I didn't want to work in a hospital my whole life, which turned out to be the case. I uh, did not want to do that. So um, once I got out of school, I kind of wanted to integrate and synthesize um, the the dietetic side and the business side a little bit, just so I could tell myself that I didn't waste um, a ton of time and get into debt for no reason uh, to get an MBA. Might've been, might've been a waste of time. But uh, yeah, so I uh, jumped into, um, literally like what I targeted to get into was like quality and regulatory side of food and um, dietary supplements. So that was, I mean, I've, everyone has kind of whatever jobs when you first graduate, right? But a few years ago I got into, I worked at a uh, ingredient distribution company, probably was working with like 5,000 different ingredients. Um, and so kind of, that's where I kind of learned the whole background of like, you know, pricing costs, uh, quality certifications, what kind of documents you need, you know, signs of a good company and a bad company, uh, just the realities of on the back end of making, you know, food and supplements show up at people's door. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I just, I was, uh, I've been a supplement buyer my whole life. So I, I was getting, um, Chris ads on YouTube all the time. Um, so once I got tired of my old job, I just, uh, checked out Umzu and there was a, uh, position open. So that's how I ended up here. There we go. So what is this 1200 hours look like in, in our, as an RD or becoming an RD? Is it just working in a hospital? It's a mixture. Yeah. So it's, um, it, it, and it depends on your internship. Like some are very strictly clinical and you're in a hospital the whole time. Um, but ours, since it was kind of integrated with an MBA, we do had like a, a community service type one. So I worked in Head Start in the city um, in, at, near in Chicago, which is where I am. And then um, there was also like a business aspect one that you could take. So some people worked at like national checkoff programs, like um, like the people who shill like dairy and eggs. Um, and I worked at like a, a grocery store, like an organic grocery store. So there was some, that was kind of cool just to get out of the strict clinical side of things. But the majority of it was as clinical hours. And then what is it exactly you're doing? You're kind of like programming someone's diet for them almost or? Yeah, it depends on the facility you're at. So yeah, when I was at a hot, like for me, it was mostly um, like there's an initial write-up. So when people first get in, you have to kind of go interview them and, and uh, you look at the initial doctor's notes. And then there's basically like just this kind of formula where you write like three sentences of like, they have this intervention is this. 
And then if it's like a tube feeding or if they have bed sores, something like that, then you kind of have to do some calculations of like how much protein they need and all that kind of stuff, which is always kind of a bummer because you're feeding them like insure, you know, which is like soy goop, you know? And so that, that was one of my big disillusionments of like, um, you know, you have to see, I mean, it's a classic healthcare issue where you have to see so many people in such a short amount of time. And then you only have certain interventions that you can really do. So that's kind of like the hospital side of things. So, um, so it was really just running around all day, seeing a bunch of people for 10 minutes. Would you say that most of that education was in the context of like sick people then? Yeah. Well, for, for clinical, yes. Um, but uh, it's like for the the community stuff that I did, um, like where I was talking to kids and families, that was all very um, preventative and like talking about like diet and how to live, which I think is far more valuable just because I, f- I think nutrition and dietetics is very like preventative based type of thing. If you get to someone who's 65 and they've made 40 years of like maybe uneducated decisions and they've already done a lot of damage to the body, you know? And so it's always good to make a change, but like the sooner you get to someone, the better. Um, and it's kind of hard to like undo, you know, if someone has like really terrible diabetes or something and they are like losing a foot. So, um, that's kind of why I was like, what am I doing here? I've been thinking about a lot, how it's like, you're either, you're going to get into health at some point and it's either going to be after the fact when it's too late. And now you have to, not only are you stress, you're playing the guessing game of how do I correct this? How do I get back all that 40 years of, you know, the McDonald's and all that stuff, or, you know, you can take the slow route. You can tune into maybe a podcast or two and get some, maybe read a book and slowly, but surely like make some educated guesses, build a, an idea or a basis to work around. And then you have your idea of health. And even if you're wrong, which you will be, and we're all will, will be, you'll be in sort of a right direction or moving towards the right direction. Yeah, definitely. And I, I totally sympathize because people are, are bathed in misinformation and bad decisions like their whole life. Um, and so some, if you just do the kind of average thing that everyone does in the past, that you would be fine. Like in past, maybe a couple hundred years ago, you'd be okay. But now if you just do what everyone does, you'll end up with lifestyle diseases and having issues, right? And so I, it, like, it's, not, it's not an ideal situation where you have to like, kind of basically do something different from the norm and alienate yourself from everybody, but it kind of has ended up that way. But, um, and it's, it's probably just a personality thing too. Some people are going to require like a health scare, like you said, some people are going to be a little bit investigating. Um, but hopefully the health, if you require a health scare, I hope that it's mild is I guess what I say. Whenever you were giving some of that preventative advice, was there, what was the most impactful advice that you were able to give people? Um, well, you know, it was a lot of times it was, um, people had very, very little knowledge at all. And so it was very simple stuff, like even just drinking water and like, you know, subbing out, like not giving toddlers like Coca-Cola type of situation, you know, cause the kids would have uh, de- like real bad dental issues, stuff like that. Um, and then there was just not a lot of, um, there was just not a lot of knowledge about just like not eating fried food all the time, not eating processed food all the time. So really just the most, I would try, and I would try to be very, broad strokes because you can't just try to like start dumping chemistry on people right so i would say like just drink water um try to have things that are not processed so like like just get whatever it was like just like a raw fruit or vegetable and like just get the best that you can afford you know invest in the better thing but i wasn't going to try to tell them about like make your macros and doing your ratios you know and and uh, all these supplements because you know these are people who you know, they were like drinking Coca-Cola all day and giving, putting it in bottles and stuff for little, for babies. So you got to kind of meet people where they're at 
Um, and in, and re in reality, there's like those really big initial steps. Like if you're not drinking water and if you're just, all your calories are coming from like high fructose corn syrup and, and, uh, like cookies or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Um, any change is going to be, is going to be huge. Once you're already pretty healthy, then those things when you're, when you're fine tuning all the little things that you're trying to, like you're trying to really nail your supplement stack or like idealize your, you're getting diminishing returns the further down your health journey. But when you're like, don't even drink water, then when you actually start drinking water, you're like, wow, I feel great. So what, what were your big rocks coming out of it as an RD? Like what do you need to get? Or what do you want most people to try and stick to? I mean, especially if we're, like, if we're talking to people here, they're going to be a little bit more educated, right? Um, but just, I guess just more general population if you, I mean, you could, you could do both as well, but. Yeah, well, this is, these are pretty general, I guess. I'd say a big thing, well, with the water thing, you should filter it. Like a lot of people will go real crazy on um, their food, but then they'll just, not really be thinking about their water like they'll be drinking tap water or they're drinking you know they let their they'll have a plastic water bottle they let like you know melt in the sun in their car for a few days and then they slug it um so definitely um you can't and many can you can also this is usually publicly available um data but you a lot of times there'll be the, the, your local water is not good as we know in the united states in some places you can like literally set it on fire depending where you're at that's crazy what's that from that's, I think that uh, people had, there was some uh, gas stuff that had busted into the local um, water treatment, but also the same thing, heavy metals. There can be, if the, if the water treatment, I mean, if the people running the water treatment plant aren't competent, there can be all sorts of problems going on. Um, so yeah, I would say like get a Berkey, if you're for a cheap option, get a Berkey water filter, um, just cause those are, uh, they don't require energy. Um, they're just like a really dense carbon one. It's like a really, really, it's like a thousand times better than a Brita but it's the same concept. Or if you have more, um, if you're not renting like a house, but uh, if you have more space, you can do a reverse osmosis one with a remineralizer after. Um, that way you don't get, uh, suck the minerals out. But that's a really big thing because if you're having clean water, it's going to pull bad things out of you. If you're having bad water, it's going to put bad things into you, right? Um, and then I guess probably the one other big thing, whatever it is, if you have an addictive relationship with food, doesn't really matter what the food is. I've always found it's really beneficial to like not keep it in your house um, just because you have so much, and it, that can kind of go towards a lot of things, but you only have so much willpower. Um, so I think a lot of times what people will do is like, they're kind of, they're kind of like an, have an emotional attachment to the thing and they're maybe unwilling to let it just be like, I don't do that anymore. And so they'll keep it in the house and like, I'll just do it in moderation. And then they do it in moderation in the first half of the day. And then it gets to nighttime and then they just go and go ham and they finish the, the box or the, whatever it is. Right. Um, so I would just like, that's the thing. An easy tip is just keep, if you have a problem food, don't have it around you and then save that willpower that you would have be burning on trying not to eat the thing in your, in your cupboard for something that's more effective. That's why I eat all my haagen in one serving. Out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's how I used to be like with, uh, you know, like potato chips or whatever, you know, I would just like, I had, I couldn't, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm part Irish. So, you know, I have an excuse, but, um, yeah, yeah, I just kept it out of the house. And now it's fine. But initially it was just like, if I opened the bag, the bag would be finished, right? So I just kept it away. I'm a big believer in like your house should be your sanctuary. Like as yep. close to perfect as you can get it. Like I mean, not to the point where it's stressing you out, but like right, as close as you can get it to being like, even if it's like you have potato chips, but it's like the Thrive coconut oil ones or where like it's like the best alternative, yes. things like that. Yeah, or like a plantain chip and coconut oil. Or mm. Yeah, it's, I haven't had those. Those are probably all, pretty good. They, they rip. I eat them way too much. You can eat a lot of them because they're good. Yeah. So. Anything else in terms of takeaways? No, I mean, I think those are pretty general. I, and everything else is kind of, um, you can, everyone has a very personalized health journey, like depending on what they're trying to do. You know, like if they're just trying to lose weight or, 
you know, if they're trying to put on muscle or trying to do like, you know, a, a marathon or whatever. So it's all very kind of, so I try not to go too tight, too, too deep into it, but you know, I think, yeah, whatever you're addicted to, keep it away. And then just like really upping your water game. Cause I think people just forget about that until, uh, it's like one of the last things which really be one of your first things for sure. So yeah, like I said, Berkey, check them out. They're, they're a cheap option. I think it's like 200 bucks for a decent sized one. You just pour water on the top of it. I just got an aqua pure one, which is pretty good. It does run electricity, but it also remineralizes the one you have, which is, it's not nice, not cheap, but it's a little more doable than the pristine hydro ones where you have to like own the house. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's kind of like the next tier. Like if you have, if you have more cash or you want to invest in it, but yeah, I always say as a starting point, a Berkey is a good one. And then you can jump to those higher level ones because those are, those are better, but it's just more to, more to do. So I got one last general question for you before we like dive into more like scientific stuff. Um, best and worst person as a dietitian to work with, not like literally like Fred, but like who, who's like the worst person that you're like, uh, you dread working with versus like the perfect person where you're like, oh, I can't wait to go and hang out with him and meet with him. Yeah. I mean, the best, the best person is just someone who's willing to change and they weren't, um, they weren't like cajoled into meeting you. They like actually sought you out and they want to be there. Um, which is kind of the difference between, you know, if you have a private practice versus if you're working at a hospital, um, in many cases at the hospital, many people were, they, they were like, they didn't want to be there because they were there under a health scare. Right. Um, and then they didn't want to talk to me and they didn't want to also a lot of time they were totally like that. That's one of the, like, there's this formula that you can plug in of people who are, uh, you can actually help. I forget exactly all the parts of it, but a big part of it was being willingness to change. And uh, there are these people, they were just totally unwilling. Like I'd have people who, you know, say they have like their AONC is through the roof. They basically have like maple, maple syrup blood. And they're like yelling at the staff or myself because we say, Hey, we can't, you can't like order in um, like a big Mac and like fries, you know, and like, they're literally like dying. So there's some people who are very, um, they're just determined. They're just going to keep doing what they're going to do. Um, and so it's kind of like why, you know, it's a little bit like, why am I even here? But, you know, you still got to give them the information. Um, but that's, the, that's, just, that's kind of the healthcare environment. Like you're going to get someone who's like, they're not there because they're looking to improve themselves. They're there because an event happened, like a heart attack or something. And then now they're getting information. They're like, I just want to do what I've been doing. Like, why are you bug, like, why are you bugging me? And that can be a little bit about their healthcare mindset as well. Like some people have a very, they like, I'm going to go to the doctor and the doctor is just going to like fix everything. And they're going to silver bullet it. That's what they think. And that's kind of how they've they have expected and it doesn't actually usually work that way. And a lot of times it's a lot of work and your own time and effort. Um, so people who understand that they're going to also be more preventative minded as well. Right. So. Yeah. I would say, um, whenever I've just casually worked with people, it's also hard whenever they're a little overeducated too, because if they've been overeducated and misled, then you kind of have to like backtrack, backtrack through their head and like explain why these things aren't necessarily correct quote unquote and kind of help them course correct too. that that's pretty difficult sometimes too yeah it's kind of like the, the classic uh, like hypochondriac type person that, that a doctor would would be worried about like this person has read webmd too much and they're you know they simply they, but you know sometimes that's and it's a it's a different it's a balancing act because sometimes you know i've gone to, hot, to doctors and i've I've had to like tell them what's going on and then and it's the other way around as well. Right. So it's kind of a balance, but yeah, if definitely if someone, there's a lot of fad diets out there. Um, and then, you know, and it's a, a lot of it will be, um, they'll kind of have that silver, silver bullet type thing. Like, you know, if you remember that when the keto thing came out, it was basically like, if you do keto, you'll be immortal and, uh, that's true though. Sick kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's right. So, um, so yeah, you can you might have to kind of work through people's um, preconceptions and stuff. But you know, if you if you're if you do the thing and you're honest about how you feel, you should know if it's actually really good or not. You know, like you. So if you if you're doing some fad diet for you know, and if you really track with the changes. A lot, a lot of diets will feel good for about the first three months, no matter what you're doing, because the standard American diet is terrible. So anything you do, it's like an improvement at all is like good. But if you do something, if you do keto for a really long time, it can really like, you know, deplore. When I did it, I, it was pretty much, uh, I had like, I couldn't put on any muscle and my glycogen was terrible and it burned me out after a while. So help me lose weight though. But you know what I'm saying? As like coming in, um, kind of last question based on that, like, did you find a huge disconnect from medicine to nutrition and how is that? How's your view on that changed at all since like diving more into the, I guess, nutrition world where we are out of the hospital? Uh, I mean, I think I feel like it's kind of a, a, maybe a meme but di with dietitians, but it's always kind of like the most doctors get maybe like one class or less on nutrition um, and even basics of nutrition. And so, you know, people would come in and they would um, doctors would even forget to go order a nutrition consult and stuff or they wouldn't like a lot of times they wouldn't. Not some would be really good, but some would like would not would really support you. And like a lot of times, you know, if people have diabetes issues or, or heart issues, like it's going to be almost the most important things they can do is change their lifestyle. But they, you know, depending on the doctor, they might just kind of throw a medicine at them, um, and hopefully, and then that you know, which can create side effects depending on what it is. So there, there's a big disconnect in that, and it's um, and it's and I think it's probably partially incentivized by by the insurance type of stuff as well, where like another preventative care. Um, is is pushed or supported as much as the uh, the more like the end of your life type care um, with surgeries and meds. So it's unfortunate, but there's it's definitely there's a lot more integrative docs out there now. Um, and I'm seeing a lot of doctors who a lot to like the, even the smaller practices at which I worked at for a little bit where they'll have and you know they'll have like uh, nutritionists and in, in house stuff like that. So they're definitely it's definitely improving for sure. It just frustrates me to see like. I think, and this is obviously a huge generalization. There are obviously great doctors out there, but like a lot of people are so quick to prescribe something and a drug specifically, but like, why would you not, instead of prescribing a drug, let's say like, we know that anxiety and a number of the B vitamins are intimately involved. I would rather you just prescribe a random assortment of those B vitamins or get a test so I can tell you what the B vitamins you're deficient in. Worst case, they don't do anything. We go to the drug. Best case, maybe they help. But like, like the side effects from taking thiamine, thiamine or riboflavin or B6, whatever, are going to be significantly less than almost any drug on the market ever invented, pretty much. Even plant compounds are going to have probably more side effects than general vitamins at a regular dose. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think like if someone's really struggling with health, it should be kind of basic process to just do a full blood panel and get and and make sure their hormones are good. And then really like make sure that all the micronutrients and vitamins are covered. Cause those are all really, they're all really cheap compared to other things, you know? And I mean, that's the same thing I'll say about supplements. Like don't, you know, don't go looking for esoteric or expensive things like CoQ10. If you're, if you check your blood and you're like low on zinc and iron and magnesium, you know, like get all those basic, like building blocks of your life covered. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of times, you know, with doctors, it can be, they'll feel like symptom masking and stuff like that, which I get it. Like they're trying to just to get immediate results for the person, the person's suffering, but that's not a long-term solution. Um, you got to go into the underlying causes, which a lot of times it's going to be lifestyle and deficiencies, but it's, you know, that's time. It's, it's a time suck and it's not as much money that can be made from such a thing. So it's, it's kind of, it's a bummer. People kind of got to be their own advocate. Um, but I, I, yeah, it's, 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 there's some positive changes in that regard, but it's still, 
um, yeah, you got to kind of advocate for yourself and just, you know, make sure to cover all your bases before you kind of go out on a limb and take a medicine, I think is kind of how I look at it. But sometimes you need them, you know, I don't know. So what was it like being introduced to the thermo diet and, you know, bioenergetics after coming in as an RD? Uh, it was cool. I, I kind of backed into a similar diet myself just through my own experimentation. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm gluten-free. Um, I was already eating pretty much all organic. Um, I'd kind of gotten away from a lot of, I, when I was younger, I was eating a lot of salads and stuff like tons of green leafies. Um, but I dialed that, I dialed away from that just cause I, it kind of made me feel ungrounded. And it was also just like, uh, you know, hard to really put on muscle if you're just eating tons and tons of, um, green vegetables. So I was eating a lot less of that. And when I, when I would, I would hit them, hit them with fire, cook them down and stuff, you know, avoid stuff like kale, which is kind of a meme, um, you know, the, that aren't actually that good for you compared to others. Um, uh, yeah. And I liked, I liked the, the focus on like, whatever you have, have the best version of it. Like I kind of, you know, that's kind of just a good general rule of thumb. Like if you can get it organic, do so your like your protein, you know, you, you want to get, you should always skip, you know, go for the organic eggs or the the ones that are pasture raised, if you can even get them a local and you can even look and see them taste the difference, right? Like there's a, that bright, the bright orange yolk versus like that pale yellow one looks like pea, you know, the, like the gas station eggs, I always call, call them. But, um, and same thing with meat. Like if you, when you're eating meat, it should be just invest in that. And then the way I look at it is like you pay a little bit more ahead of time, but hopefully you're dodging a hospital bill at some point, you know, and you'll feel good. Um, even so, even if, you know, even if you lived exact same time, um, you'll feel good the whole time. So, um, yeah. And I like that. And I liked it also, I think, um, obviously I don't think an issue in, in America is that people are not having enough sugar. Um, but I think the kind of, um, the kind is, is important. And so, uh, sometimes people course correct so hard, like I'm avoiding high fructose corn syrup. Now I'm also scared of like apples and berries, you know? And I was like, no one did that ever, anyone ever really get fat from having like too many berries. Like, I don't think so. So, um, I like the, the focus on, you know, having good quality, um, fruit, you know? And I mean, that's a big part of my diet is I eat berries and apples and stuff. So I, yeah, it was, and, oh, and avoiding the, um, the toxic oils is a really big one, which I appreciated the focus on. And it's getting more popular now in the last yeah, year, which I've gone so popular. Everyone, it's great. Everyone's like <laughs> talking about seed oils. And I'm like, oh, dang, Chris was talking about this a while ago. Like um, years which, ago. It's crazy. Years ago. But it, and it's getting worse now because of the supply chain issues um, from like COVID and, and whatever. Um, you'll notice that many things in the past didn't have it. They're sneaking sunflower oil and, and cutting the, the, or they'll do like a mixture of olive and canola. Um, so they're, there's some sort of shrink term for that. I forget what they call it, but it's basically they're, they're try, trying to cut costs while keeping the same size package and they're putting these low quality oils in there. So those are bad. No, I mean, number one, they're jipping you on a cost basis because those are, and they're, they're not valuable for you, like on a health and they're, they're actually harmful. So they're very oxidized GMO, you know? Um, so I like that a lot, but yeah, it, it was, so it was, it was cool. It was a kind of a validation because um, I was eating in a similar way and I, I hadn't, read up on Chris's stuff beforehand, um, beyond what I saw on YouTube ads. Have you read any of Ray's work? Um, Dr. Pete. Oh yeah. I've so not, not, uh, not in depth, but I've read a little bit of it, but I, I haven't looked too hard because I feel like I'll just go down a rabbit hole and I'll be like, Oh dang, I'm going to, uh, everything I'm doing is terrible. You know? <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I think, like I said, I think you can, I think some people will real freak out like when they're real healthy and then they're like, if I just do one more thing, I'll be immortal, you know? Um, and so I think if you get, 
I think once you get ninety percent of the way there, like I said, then your 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 gains diminish significantly. So I think I'm I'm pretty much there. Um, but I would like to look more into the. It's always good to fine tune things when you can, but sometimes it's a balance of like the perfection of what you can eat versus what's available and and cost and stuff like that. So you know, some people, depending on where you live, you might not even have any of the kind of stuff that you would want, right? So you may, might have to be growing your own food or that sort of stuff. So it's it's just different depending on what your resources are and what you're available uh, to. Do you have any disagreements with the bioenergetics thermodiet view kind of thing? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, not generally. I, I think uh, I think my, like me just personally, I've always been a very sugar sensitive person. Um, so if I eat a lot of sugar, um, I will feel not good. <laughs> so, uh, and it makes me really hungry, and it makes me uh, cranky. Um, even if it's like, even if it's like maple syrup or honey, stuff like that. So for me, so I'm not, but I, it's, a t it's totally like what kind of it, right? So if, if it's like, if I'm eating a funnel cake or if it's like some processed sugar, or even if it's just like straight up, you know, honey, that's going to hit me pretty hard versus if I eat, like I could eat apples all day, I could eat berries all day because it's tied with the fruit and it's bonded in there. Um, so I, I, so I think, but I, I think it's kind of context. Cause you know, if it's just like, if you say sugar's good, I'm like, well, it's going to be to me, it's what kind and how much. And then, and it's also a personal thing because I know some people can eat a ton and they're fine. And But I've always just been kind of sensitive to it. So, but I, like I said, I don't, I think that like people overcorrect when they're saying, I'm going to do low sugar. And then they're like scared of bananas, you know what I'm like? I think I like to say, and you said it as well, like sugar in t context, because it's like sugar, in my opinion, is great. But if you don't have the nutrients, like mostly the B vitamins and the minerals and vitamins that are needed to process that sugar, it's just going to get turned to fat, just going to crank your blood sugar up. You're going to get a huge insulin spike and crash. Like, so it's, I mean, it's, it's sugar in context and that context for you might be different than Jaden and I who eat, or Ray Pete who eats like uh, sugar, like, it's, like he's like Buddy the Elf. We were joking about a couple podcasts ago where he's just <laughs> slamming honey and milk and ice cream. No, I definitely can do that. And as I ate, as I started eating, um, you know, I ate more fat and I incorporated a lot more B vitamins and stuff. Uh, and I got, I got like less... Um, I was doing less keto type stuff, a lot less uh, green leafies and it's a lot of fiber, which is kind of just empty. Then it definitely helped a lot and I could eat it and felt more normalized for sure. Um, so yeah, it's definitely like sugar in context for sure. Cause I mean, if someone just said sugar good, right. Then they could just go and, and drink like a Mountain Dew, you know, um, maybe they'll be okay, but I don't know. People hit, that usually messes your teeth up a little bit. So, um, yeah, but otherwise, I mean, I, I like all the, the, the pieces of it. You know, I like to focus on, like I said, organic stuff is essential in my mind. Um, eating, you know, drinking clean water, avoiding those toxic oils. So it's all pretty, it's pretty scientifically based and it, and it feels good too. And you can actually build muscle and like function on it, you know? Um, so it's, it's a good like way to be, um, you know, I sometimes will do, if you are, you know, th there's some good data about like fasting and if you, you know, you can do like a limited, you know, type of keto type of thing for like, if you're trying to do some, um, cell restarting, that sort of stuff, as far as like your, yeah, exactly. But if you're trying to just like live, I think that thermo is really good for just like feeling good and, and achieving, um, you know, your goals. If you have exercise goals or just like, just it's walking around, you know, it takes a while to get there, but I feel like you just end up with a good, good baseline health yeah. almost. Would you yep. agree? Mm-hmm. Um, so what's it like working on the back end of the supplement industry, like formulating all the supplements? Well, it's, um, it's, it's similar to what you've, you see on the front end, where it's just like, um, there's a lot of bad, uh, ingredients out there, um, or things that are just, um, 
they're not made in a thermo way. Um, so similar. So just like if you go to the grocery store and it's like, man, there's like canola oil and everything. Um, it's the same thing with these ingredients, right? So a lot of times, um, that, uh, it can kind of be, a uh, that can kind of dictate if we're going to do something or not. If like, if there's even a thermal version of it, um, and especially if it's more of a specialty ingredient, um, there might only be one or two suppliers. And if they don't make, if they make it using things that we don't approve of, then it's just like, I guess we don't get to use this ingredient, you know? Um, are you talking about like the ingredient itself or like the process of making that ingredient? Both. So there can be, um, like, so for example, like vitamin E, it could have been, um, say they, they, it, the starting material was like sunflower oil or canola oil, you know? So someone could say, well, it's been isolated and you pulled the vitamin E out of it. But I'm like, you also, at the same time, we were trying, we don't want to be, you don't want to say don't eat canola oil and then give someone something that's created from canola, canola oil. And then in many cases, especially since those are, are oils or liquids, um, they'll suspend it, the final material in some more sunflower oil. So they take the sunflower, extract the vitamin E and then put it in more sunflower oil to give to you. So, um, that's a big problem ingredient vitamin E. Um, and then, um, yeah, there's just a lot of, um, administrative type of stuff, you know, where it's, uh, you gotta, you know, make all these ingredients come together and at, in one place and get all packed together. Everything's got to go together well. Um, so there's just a lot to consider. You think it's like, Oh, I'm just going to think of a cool idea, you know, and like make a, make a cool supplement, but it's usually like, six, six months to a year of, you know, and depending if you have to do taste testing and you got to do encapsulation, uh, testing, um, you got to try to find things for a good price and see, you know, so there's just a lot of, um, a lot of comparison and stuff to do, but it's, it's fun. I like that kind of thing. It's like a little puzzle trying to make it happen. What's uh, the hardest part? Like you kind of touched on this, but looking at like thermo wise, like, does that, I'm sure that makes it like a, adds a complete another level to yeah. it. Yeah. The thermo is probably the hardest part. Um, just because, like I said, all, so all those all those cheap things that they use in the food environment to make things more affordable or cut stuff, they do the same thing on the back end. So that probably that adds um, some difficulty because uh, that'll usually just like if I was just to estimate, usually half of suppliers are going to be have something that we're not okay with. A lot of times, there's soy less than or sunflower less than and stuff. Um, so it makes it that makes it just that this kind of throws a lot of things out. So usually, I have to look. A lot of times, people will just send a spec. Um, which is going to like to have the very basic, like what is the the assay of the actual ingredient and like heavy metals and stuff. But then I got to look into deeper about like every sub ingredient. I got to look into the flow chart to see what they use to start with. Um, so it's good to know anyway, but it's just like, you got, you got to really do you do diligence. I can't just see a spec and assume that it's okay. Um, and then probably um, hardest other thing is going to be cost. Cause as I'm sure as everyone knows, costs are, are rising on everything. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, shipping involved in this whole thing. Cause you got to get all these ingredients to the manufacturer. Um, and then they can be in multiple countries and, um, also just like straight up costs of things are rising up, you know? So like, so for an example, I've been trying to avoid, um, dairy ingredients, uh, if, because dairy has gotten very, very expensive. Um, and in some cases like amino acids have gotten really expensive. So we had to switch out some for others. So sometimes, um, yeah, that can, like with just with the supply chain issues lately, but that's, that's tough for everybody, but you know, so it can be, sometimes you have an unplanned, um, change, uh, in your formula because, Hey, this, you know, they don't have any more of this material sold out or, uh, they ran out of raw materials or what. So you sometimes kind of have to jump and roll with the punches, um, and find a, a better alternative. Poor creatine. 
What's up? Yeah. Like, what is it up? Like a thousand percent? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and, and dairy, you know, a lot of the dairy stuff is going up three, four times as well. So if you're getting, you know, dairy proteins or, um, even Vasil Drive, I know, has increased a lot, which is in Redwood. Yeah, the cottage cheese that I buy at the store has gone up by a dollar. So I'm spending like an extra five bucks just on cottage cheese. You eat a lot of cottage cheese? <laughs> yeah, I put it in my smoothies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's pretty good. Um, so uh, not working at Umzu, um, you go to the supplement store. Like, what? Do you, how has your mind changed? Like, what are you looking for that you, like, you weren't looking for a couple of years ago before working in the industry? You know, I don't know if it, I, if it changed it. A ton because um, I kind of had a similar mindset. It was just like cover your micronutrients and your um, your basic vitamins and your electrolytes first, you know. And in many cases, um, at the time, you know, a, a lot of times you could do. I would get those individually because you could get find them really cheap that way. Um, and so that's, so just from worth Umzu, which is nice. Umzu kind of has a similar mindset. So they've combined many of them. Um, but you know, there's a lot of times I see these really goofy formulations out there. So with the way I did it, especially, you know, being a poor college student or whatever, uh, I would just get my individuals, like I'm covering like my zinc, my vitamin D, my vitamin E, my vitamin C, uh, all the electrolytes. And I would hit that first. And then, and then once I, you know, do my blood work, and then once those are good, then I'm like, okay, now where do I go from here? That was always step one for me. And so that was the majority of my supplements. Um, and a lot of those, like those electrolytes and stuff um, and the minerals, they wouldn't be organic as much because they're, they're like, they're kind of sort of an inorganic thing. It's not like growing an organic plant or an herb. So that wasn't as, as tough. But so for, in those cases, I would look for like, um, if the company uses good manufacturing practices or GMPs. Um, so those are like third party standards. That means that, you know, that shows that the factory is uh, making things in a safe way, that things are not going to be contaminated um, or there's not going to be mix, up, mix ups and errors. You're not going to buy, you know, they're going to say it's zinc and it's like a mixture of like rice powder and arsenic or something like that. Um, so that was kind of, and those were, that was pretty simple because uh, those are simple ingredients. And then, it's, you know, if it's something basic like zinc, just make sure that it doesn't have a bunch of weird additives that you're not familiar with, you know. I mean, pretty much everything will have some silicon and some, um, microcrystalline cellulose in there so that it encapsulates well and doesn't turn into like a slurry and get stuck. Um, but sometimes you just like, they'll stun, they'll be like sunflower oil in there. I'm like, why is this in here? You know? Um, but yeah, so I think that's, that's, and that still pretty much holds true today is how I feel. But now basically Umzu has a lot of the same the stuff together. Like, like really good examples are um, like immune was like a big, a uh, mixture of like my basic health stack. I pretty much would take those all individually. That's all on one pill now. I'm like, there you go. Um, and same thing with like thyroid or Testro. It's got like all of your basic micros um, and minerals in there to cut, like or help those issues and then some herbs, which I would take those all individually, you know? So it's, that's kind of how, that's why I like about Umzu is it's like, it's very, it's very clear. It covers your bases. It cuts to the chase. It's not trying to, it's not trying to sell you something esoteric when you haven't, you're not even taking zinc. You know what I'm saying? What is the most snake oil thing that you see whenever people are trying to sell supplements? Well, there can be a lot of um, a good a sign of someone who might be BSing is that there's uh, a ton of like outrageous like health claims, like you know this is gonna cure your cancer for sure, you know like they'll and that, which those are that is a kind of like uh, you're not allowed to say that per the FDA, but they'll be like very dramatic. This is gonna like cure all your ails, you know. It's like a silver bullet for everything. Um, so that can be just a sign that even so, even if there is some data to those points, 
that shows that they're not necessarily complying with like FDA regulations. Because as as dietary supplements, um, we're not technically able, allowed to treat anything. With dietary supplements are kind of in this weird regulatory area, um, so that can be kind of snake oil. And then also, um, a lot of times, what I'll see is a uh, very um, it's real. It's be it'll be strictly marketing with not really much behind it. So you'll look and if you go and look at the dosages of the individual ingredients, they'll be like not enough to actually accomplish anything. But then it'll it'll you know it'll be something about like whatever. It's like girl power, and it'll be all like just. I've seen a few of these where it's like really targeting like just a young a younger woman demographic. You know, maybe someone who's on TikTok a lot, and it's gonna whatever. It's gonna help your libido or something like that. And then it'll you'll look and it's like every ingredient is like a fifth of what you'd actually need to accomplish anything. Like if they just took, if they just got one of those and actually took a sufficient amount. So that's kind of more of a, they'll, that's kind of like you kind of deep dive more into the amounts of it. Right. And it's a little bit more effort, but um, that's a very common thing in the supplement industry is it won't be, there won't be enough of the things you want. And then there'll be a too much or just a lot of things that are cheap that you don't need, you know, like they'll just, if they'll just pack it with like tons and tons of cheap, B vitamins because they know you can't overdose because you can just pee those out. So then you just take the pill and you're, pee, you're peeing highlighter yellow, you know? Oh, that'd be 12. Yeah. So yeah, too much of that, right? So um, in some cases, it, you can have a lot of B12 and it could be helpful. But if you're taking just like, you know, thousands upon thousands of RDI across multiple supplements, you know? Um, so yeah, that's a big part too, is just like not actually having a evidence-based dose on that that's that's probably the biggest snake oil because then they can just like and then if some people does a quick google let's say oh b vitamins does this it has it in it you're fine but then you look and it doesn't have the right amount right can you speak briefly and i don't know if you can actually talk about this on like the fda regulation because like let's say we know ascorbic acid can cure scurvy right or you need ascorbic acid to prevent scurvy but yeah. we can't say that because we sell supplements which can't cure yeah it's it's basically just um if you the way it is, it's like only uh, drugs and medications can cure things. And they go through a much more rigorous qualification process for that. And then there's also, you know, they have trademarks and stuff like that. And then they have, they have to do, um, they do more studies on it. So they have a, um, so it's, it's much easier for us to get all these ingredients, put them together and get them out to the customers um, which is good for us and for them, right? Because, you know, there's a lot of things that are just objectively good. But, you know, if we were to make, if we were to call something a drug, then we would have to, you know, even if it was just like a mixture, you know, a mixture of a micros and a few herbs that are, everyone knows are very helpful, then there, it's just a lot more, there's a lot more paperwork. We have to do submissions to the FDA, um, culpable for a lot more. So that, so there's kind of, that's kind of where, and that's usually like where the, the, um, the organizations that kind of work for supplement companies kind of try to keep us because they're like a lot of companies just don't have the resources to like, if we had to compete with like a, a pharmaceutical, uh, a pharmaceutical manufacturer, like there's, you know, like we don't, you need to have an insanely huge staff like to run, you know, you'd have to have your own labs. So just to run, um, yeah, to, to, so it's just a whole different, uh, they just are held to a much higher standard. Um, and that's why they can charge a lot more, um, but yeah, it's kind of, but it kind of, it's a little bit of, you know, you can kind of see it as a racket because it's also the, the barrier to entry into that is extremely difficult. Um, and so it's really limited to these really large, uh, rich companies, right? So supplements kind of that, therefore we have to operate in this kind of middle spot where, um, 
you know, we can't technically cure anything, right? Because we're not giving you a medicine. It's a supplement. And it's basically the supplements are um, supposed to support your natural living processes, your natural healthy body, which they do. I mean, that's kind of what we do. That's the, the difference um, like we're giving you is something that's your body just uses as opposed to like a branded chemical or, or molecule, right? So it, that is true to an extent, but yeah, we're just held to, you know, so, but basically, but there isn't a clear, um, there isn't a really good way of uh, the FDA regulating these sort of things. So just, they don't pay as much attention, but usually what happens is they'll just find, maybe they find a supplement company that's making really egregious um, claims and then they just kind of make an example of them and they they send them a bunch of letters and they say you're violating this stuff and they blast that out in public and it kind of wrecks your public image um, and then they, so they kind of like will try to make examples of people <laughs> and that's kind of how they so then and then everyone else sees that and they're like oh man I got to make sure that I'm being um, compliant so yeah it's, it's just not a great system overall but that's kind of the place we play, we play in, you know? Yeah. I think it definitely has its perks though. Cause I mean, as you said, like we're able to get into the industry much easier, but also exactly. every, everyone knows there's so many supplements, especially I don't think in our age as much, but like 10, 15 years ago when you were probably getting into the industry and maybe when we were just getting started, like there's so much crap out there that was like, yes, double your erect, erection size and stuff. And then it's like, <laughs> you're in the hospital for six weeks. From, yeah. Uh, stuff like that. So it, like, even though like it's kind of a lie in some aspects that like our vitamin C is the same thing as this drug vitamin C, it's also like you can make this claim because you haven't put in the resources needed to make that claim, which is frustrating, but. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's, um, it, it just makes, it's kind of a gray area. And so it makes um, the customers, um, you. that's why it's important for you to find a reputable company, a company who. You know they're do work manufacturing to GMPs. They uh, they have an easily accessible customer service. You know they have they've been there for years. They have lots of reviews. Um, that because like you said, they're gonna people gonna spring up and if they're small enough and like the FDA isn't gonna really notice them, they'll just they can just say whatever the hell they want. Um, and so it's it's kind of it's it's pros and cons. So we can people have more access, you know, you don't have to go see a doctor so that you can buy uh, an Umsu supplement, right? Like you don't have to get a doctor's note, but so there's pros and cons to all of it. So yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a gray area. I'm ever, I, I always, depending on the day, I feel good about it or bad about it. <laughs> uh, get that. What's the craziest supplement you've tried or, well, yeah, I guess supplement would be, I guess methylene blue is technically a drug, but put that yes. in uh, yeah i've tried methylene blue uh, it's good clean fun um i like peeing peeing blue it's uh it's a little strange for the first time like, oh. yeah but not not then when i don't take it i miss it you know i'm like oh man this, this is like a way to jazz up your morning <laughs> um yeah that's probably i mean but that is a medication um craziest a good BS one that I looked at, I was looking into like gray hair ones, you know, cause when I was like 25, I got a gray hair and I was like, my life is over. So, um, but then they were like, I, uh, I kind of ordered one without looking too much into it cause I was in a panic and which is not my normal way of doing things. And then it was just like, you know, this will definitely fix your gray hair. Right. Um, and I think they ended up getting, this company ended up getting sued by the FDA, but, uh, but then you look into it and it was like vitamin D zinc, uh, B12, uh, selenium, which are, I mean, those are all good, you know, but like I already had all those, you know, and, um, it, it didn't stop my one gray hair from showing up. It can be, 
you know, there might be a little bit of data like, hey, those help your hair grow a little bit, you know, uh, or those help with your, those are general, general anti-aging. Like if you don't have them, you're going to be doing bad, right? So then they say, well, this fixes your gray hair. And for some people, if you're really deficient, that might make a difference. But I was already taking all that. So that was probably BS. Um, and those, so that's, and then that's another, like those sort of things, like, like, or you, or you mentioned the erections and stuff. If it's things that people have a lot of like emotions about and they're panicking about, and it can be about aging or like, you know, if you're feeling old or, you know, masculine or whatever, people are, it's easy to prey on them, right? Because they're like panicking and these are there. So they're like, I really need this to work. Right. And then they also might be scared for the more, more medical route. Like they don't want to take Viagra or they don't want to try whatever. I don't, I don't think there really is a, a medicine version for gray hair, but like if you're losing your hair, you have know, a spray and finasteride and they, you can hear about all these terrible side effects and stuff. You ever looked into copper for uh, gray hair? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I did do that. I, t I take copper. It seemed mm. to help a little bit. Yeah. Um, and same thing for hair re regrowth. It helps as well, but yeah, uh, copper's pretty interesting. There's a lot of, yeah, lot to dive into there that I don't want to go into here, but yeah. Interesting for skin as well. There's a lot, there's stuff with the copper, copper peptides seem to be, some people are replacing all their, uh, their vitamin C face stuff with copper. Yeah. With like a whole food C cause it has a copper or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I was into, I dove into that rabbit hole for a while and kind of, uh, disagree with my past self. Cause I was like, <laughs> Oh, like that uh, scorbutic is bad depletes copper. Then it's like, well, there's like 2 million studies on ascorbic acid having some beneficial effects. That's the thing. Yeah. I, I see a lot. I mean, obviously I like whole food vitamin C if you can get it. It's just, it's, it's insanely more expensive. Right. But then there's, there's so many studies about ascorbic. There's some people who say like ascorbic is absolutely trash and it does nothing for you. I'm like, all right, well, so like every one of these studies is wrong. Then. Every single one, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's definitely things that are medicinal that like, like you should like necessarily shouldn't be Right. Sup, like, I mean, you don't want to supplement with a hundred milligrams of zinc or something. Right. But like there might be times Correct. where it can save your life. I don't know. That's just a random example I just made up, but like definitely both sides are true. Last question, unless you have anything. Nope. Um, favorite Umzu supplements. And then if you can give us any, you know, juicy deets on what's coming out this year, they're to the, the people that are listening, listeners. Okay. Well, my favorite, I kind of already mentioned it, but immune. Um, Cause that was just like kind of my daily I took all those individually as a, a daily suck, like, like health stack. And like, especially when people were with the COVID thing, everyone was freaking, I was like, I just was cranking on that all the time, especially if I'm flying too, it's really easy. Cause it's just one pill. Um, but it's good. It covers a lot of your basics. Um, I think that's pretty cool and it's affordable. Um, yeah. What else do I like? Um, I like the choline, the choline's very affordable as well. Um, and I think people kind of, People kind of forget about that. It's pretty important for your for your brain health. It helps your eyes as well. I'm always trying to do some eye support, especially if you're if you're working on a computer all day. Um, I like those, uh, you know. And of course, there's all the big name guys. But I, I mentioned those just because I think they're uh, people sleep on them a little bit. Um, I like the dailies. Those are my slept on supplements. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I take the I take the daily B, the um, the K. The K is really good. It's got all the different types of K in there, which I think is pretty sick compared to some other ones you see out there. Um, and yeah, daily mag is good. Um, yeah. As far as upcoming stuff, I don't, let's see, I don't want to say exactly what they are yet, but I have, there's, we have orders in for several things. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping by January we'll have three things in, uh, hopefully some will be coming in earlier than that, but that's if, if nothing goes wrong, cause lead times are insane these days. Uh, you know, you can put an order in and it might not show up for 20 weeks. Right. So, um, but yeah, if nothing goes wrong, we should have three new things, um, supplement wise, um, pills. And then, um, as far as 
things I can mention. Well, so we, we did send out that email about the, the bars as well. So we're working on, um, and that's an existing product, so people are aware of it, right? Um, so we're uh, working on qualifying a new supplier for that. So we're going to try to, we already have some um, some good preliminary stuff going with that, but we're going to try to just make it better in every way. So it'll still be a collagen bar, so you can still get that you know, the, the, the benefits of that is that we're not going to like make a non, we're not going to make like a peanut butter bar. That's not thermo. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, we're going to try to improve the the texture taste of it and, uh, and all of it. So I'm pretty optimistic about that. I don't know whether that's coming, but, uh, we already sent an email about that. So if you didn't see that, I'm just reiterating that. And, um, and also, oh, the, um, Zubru uh, unsweetened just came out. So we were getting a lot of oh, feedback yeah. on people wanted the, uh, you know, the sweetness of your coffee is a very personal thing. So they wanted to be able to control that. So we just made a unsweetened version, which turned out really good. It doesn't. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't sure how much of the mushrooms would show up in there, but it's really not much at all, really, if anything. So it tastes pretty much just like cold brew coffee. Awesome. So I like that a lot. That's just. I think that. I think that came up out this week on the website. Um, but yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Sloan, for coming on. Jaden, anything else? No, I really enjoyed this podcast. Thank you for hopping on with us. Yeah, this is great. Great talking to you soon. Thanks for everyone for listening. Till next time, guys. Be good. Peace.